0: Yo, what's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to episode three of Critical Thinking Pug Bunny Podcast. This week, Joel and I are chatting about the h 1407 live hacking event held by HackerOne in Orlando, Florida. We talk a bit about the event and what it's like, as well as some takeaways slash technical tips surrounding the event. But before we get into the episode, if I could ask a quick favor of you all, um, do me a solid and write a review for this pod on whatever app you're using to listen to it right now. This will help the show gain some traction, which will help us produce some better content for you all. With that, I hope you all enjoy the episode. dude before we get into this episode though i kind of want to ask you like what is this puzzling thing that you've been doing because like it's on your intro in h1407 and it's also in a message you just sent me so are you like sitting down and like putting together puzzles to make a picture is this something different
1: no it's more like um like logical like mit like style type puzzles so like kind of like crosswords or like logical like brain puzzles or like deciphering or like figuring out different like
0: We're talking like encodings. sudoku here or are we talking like
1: um sometimes if it was sudoku it would more be like in the style of sudoku it would be like for example it would be like um they'd give you like uh, a bunch of like pictures right and your goal is to like look at the pictures and identify like hidden like ciphers within the pictures and then like pick those out and decode it to like an answer and it would be like that that type of stuff
0: dang dude Uh, so this is your this is your hobby like just people coming up with hard to solve (laughs) shit and then you going after it
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah
0: dang dude what were you working on right before the episode
1: um it's for uh it's for a puzzle called uh, applied primate it's uh it's like an nft puzzle
0: oh nice okay i did i did like i know zayat won some crazy NFT puzzle thing is that is that something similar? Yes, me,
1: me, yeah, Me and him worked together on puzzles. Oh, so, did you really?
0: Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, cool, sweet, sweet. All right, man. I I've got like, well, as okay. Let me just set the scene, I guess. So um, right now, Joel and I are participating in H1407, which is a HackerOne live hacking event. So I don't know about you, Joel. I haven't actually caught up with you very much during the event, but I have been nose to the grindstone for the past nine days right now. Um, I just took yesterday off because I was going ham before the due period closed. It, uh, and, yeah, so not a bunch of content for the podcast today, but I do have a couple of cool things I'm excited about. So we'll talk about those. and, yeah, I mean, how's the event going for you, joel?
1: yeah, man, i'm a, I'm about the same, just nose to the grindstone, like yeah. just trying to like pick apart this stuff. Honestly, this is one of those one of those targets where I feel like, um, Like, I've had this a couple times where, like, after an event, I feel like I have, like, a lot more attack surface that I need to dig into. Yeah. You know? Like, I just, like, didn't have, like... For events, you have to, like, prioritize, like, really hard in terms of, like, what things you choose to look at and where you choose to spend your time. So I feel like this is one of those. And plus, their their program is, like, huge. Like, their main program is, like, huge. So, uh, like, everything should be, like, counted. So... I'm pretty excited to like keep poking at this and use the like tools and yeah. stuff that that we've uh, learned and uncovered and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, while I hacking think the, on this.
0: I think this target is a little bit tricky because it's it's you know reverse engineering based and they only give us like a week until you know we've got to go to the event. So it's it's like pretty tricky to get anywhere. I mean, at least for me, a web guy, you know, it's pretty tricky for me to get you know beyond the basics for the first. You know, in just the first week. Um, that being said, I did have some good luck. i I found some some fun stuff, but um, you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely not uh, your straightforward web scope like we're used to.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think like the best parallel I have is like I f- I think a lot of people feel this way when they try to hack mobile stuff. Where like mm-hmm. yeah especially if you do it for like a live hacking event, like if you come to a live hacking event and you find out the target's a mobile one and you've never done mobile hacking and you have like one week to do mobile hacking, that's like hard to like just like jump in there and like learn how to mobile hack and find something in a week. You know what I mean? Like usually it'll yeah. take at least a week just to learn how to do like one of those. So
0: yeah, it's tricky. I, I actually have a little funny story for this. I was like, I was looking at one of the executables in scope and I was looking actually for something different, but I ended up opening a, uh, Procmon, uh, process monitor in Windows. And I was looking at it and um, there was a bunch of like name not found DLLs missing, uh, you know, in this Procmon. And I was looking for something different when I went in there, but then I, I saw those and I was like, wait a second, this, this sounds interesting. And so I started going down this path of like DLL hijacking. And then I, I figured out how to do it. And I like compiled the DLL and like injected it into the path and got it to pop calc or whatever. So I was like, sweet. And then I looked this up and it's like, yeah, this is more of like an exploitation technique than an actual like remediatable vulnerability just because of the way Windows, ex- uh, you know, executables work, yeah. especially if you're not dealing with something that's in like a that normally runs as like a system level process. So it's it's a learning experience, man. I burned quite a few hours going down that path and and don't have much too much to show for it.
1: Yeah, man, that's, like, that's the really, like, weird thing about Windows. And, I, like, technically, you you kind of have this to some extent with, like, Linux slash Mac, right, with, like, um, LD, like, preload and, like, dynamic mm-hmm. libraries where you can, like, technically speaking from, like, a user perspective, you can inject whatever libraries you want into whatever process. Right. Windows is just, like, a lot more... Naive, I guess, in that it does it automatically if you just like put the DLL in the folder next to it. And pa- yeah, exactly. And like, sure. What the fuck? Hey, fuck it. Why not? Like, <laughs> just like load that random DLL. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's so, also like really nice for like if you want to replace functions or like hook stuff or like all that kind of. It's like you know,
0: pros and cons. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if you you saw the the message in the chat for the live hacking event, but there's a um they're doing something cool this year or for this event specifically where um, you can kind of write up all the things that didn't work, but that you tried and you get a bounty for that at the end. So I've, I've Mm. got like this long list of like, and then I went down this path and then it just totally didn't work. And then I failed and I moved along. And it's been kind of good for my perspective because it's like, man, you know, we fail a lot, you know, (laughs) and, and, and there's, there's a lot of things that we've tried. Mm. And so even if you don't have a lot of results, you can look at that list that, you know, itemized list and say dang all right we we really tried a bunch of stuff
1: yeah you know that that like brings to mind like what so i I don't know if something like this exists but it would be kind of cool to have like uh some sort of like audio based like note taker you know what Mm -hmm. i mean where you could just like as you're hacking you could be like you could just sort of like rubber ducky to your notepad or whatever right and just like have it write stuff down as you go and then you could just like circle back and be like interesting interesting yeah
0: i i uh I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but Mariah actually, Mariah's my wife, for those of you guys that don't know. Um, and Mariah actually signed on as my personal assistant earlier this year and just kind of has helped, been helping me with some scheduling stuff and, you know, keeping me on track. And one of the things that I asked her to do, and then she absolutely slayed, was this one morning, I woke up super early in the morning and I had just a bunch of ideas buzzing around in my head. And for the podcast and for some other stuff. And so I just got up and I grabbed my coffee and I sat in my sunroom with my robe on and my coffee. And I just like talked at a voice recorder for like an hour. And uh, I handed that to her and I was like, hey, can you like transcribe some of this and fill in the blanks, you know, where I, you know, I'm saying stupid stuff or add structure to it. And she gave me this like beautifully formatted document with like a bunch of feedback on all the different areas of my you know rantings and like filled in even more ideas about the for the podcast and stuff like that and i was just like gosh i love you so much
1: dude that's so awesome i mean our my my wife is like she helps me in like so many ways and i'm just like yeah. forever you're fucking grateful it, <laughs> she's like perfe-
0: i mean it's perfect if you if your wife is willing to do something like that because she knows you well enough to like understand some of the stuff that you say that doesn't make a lot of sense you know
1: yeah exactly so. exactly
0: my dog is like running around in the background we gotta we gotta find some solution for our our pets man your cat is like climbing all over the place my dog
1: is running around i know as soon as he said his name he just walked in here bringing a toy with him (laughs) dragging a toy behind him is your dog doing better i know the last time we talked to you was. uh
0: yeah dude so you know gonna gonna put this out there in the public now He's he's not he's not gonna make it, man. He, we got the results back and he has like some serious cancer. And just for you know, just for context, everybody, I, I we my wife and I got this dog who we absolutely adore. He's the perfect dog. He doesn't bark at all you know he he goes outside goes to the bathroom so quick and then just goes back inside (laughs) like that's just what he wants to do he loves to just like if you're sitting anywhere he wants to sit next to you so he'll just come and like lay his head on you get his little paws up there and like snuggle you and he loves food he loves you know he's just
1: such a good Uh, boy so and
0: uh, and we've only had him for two and a half months and we just found out that he has um uh cancer on his face actually um mm. in on his zygomatic arch which is right here um right up the cheekbone area and so he doesn't have too long but we've got him on some good meds that he's liking right now <laughs> and so he's, <laughs> he's his quality of life is is still there for sure uh,
1: well that's so. that's um, that's sad to hear but you know i'm i'm the, the the awesome thing about, like, fostering and, like, adopting mm. senior dogs is that, like, yeah, they don't have, like, a lot of life left, but you can yeah. really, like, maximize and, like, really make that last little bit of their life, like, really enjoyable for them. Yeah, so for sure. You know, it's a That's special thing to be able rewarding. to do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, well, that was kind of All right. sad, but... No. Anyway. <laughs> Back, back, to
0: the, back to the, the text stuff okay so I've got a couple like I've only got like four or five items here that we're just gonna run through today just some stuff that I've, I've learned from this event so far and I'll do a little bit of a recap as, uh, as well you know post event but I figured we'd toss this episode out there as well just to show you guys what's going on um so I guess the first one I wanted to talk about was like
1: have you heard of il spy? Yeah, uh, and actually for .net, I have a couple yeah. other things and I see you mentioned them but like .peak um yeah. That's really good You've had a good like, experience with that? Yeah, for .net, I generally use .peak as my okay. main one now. I used to use
0: Okay, okay. Well, hold on. Let's let's so what these are, guys, I'm just I'm just adding context here is these are um uh, you know, binary decompiling software, okay? So what this will do is if you've got a binary that was compiled with .net or C#, Um, ILSpy and .peak will take that binary and decompile it back to the original source code or it's like something close to the original source code. And this is like hella useful for reverse engineering these binaries. So yeah, I'm sorry, continue, Joel, go ahead. You're saying .peak was
1: your go-to? Yeah, exactly what you were gonna say. Yeah, I used to use ILSpy for the longest time. And then um, IntelliJ came out with .peak you know, okay. their own decompilers. So I was like, oh, nice. And, the, you know, per usual Jepra and stuff always works really well, so. Nice. Um, yeah, so .peak is like my go-to now. I will use IELTS by sometimes if, if like .peak um, struggles, but I don't, honestly, I can't even think of a case where like .peak has failed to decompile something wow. that was nice. like That's... .net.
0: Yeah. That's good to hear, because like I, I was definitely gonna go with Isle Spy just from the beginning, because that's what a friend of mine referred me to. But yeah, I, I dude, I felt so stupid because I was like talking to uh, a a friend of mine, and uh, I won't I won't give out his name because I haven't talked to him about it. But um, you know, and he was saying that. I was telling him how, like, oh, I found this bug in this binary. And uh, and I was like, but I just really wish I had the source code. And he's like, dude, you don't have the source code? And like <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't have the source code. What are you talking about? And he's like, dude, it's a .NET project. You can just decompile the binary. And I was like, what?
1: Yeah. I, I just
0: totally went off on him I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. And somehow yeah. I did not know that. so
1: Yeah, it's awesome. You can do it with DLLs and EXEs. um both and yeah it's uh, it's really awesome it's uh, like because so many programs are written in net you'll find that like it has a pretty high hit rate which is which is awesome uh, but nice. then for like more complex stuff like well i'm not going to mention anything specific but i'm sure that you know what i'm talking about that those yeah. types of things will not work at dot peak <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah yeah that that makes sense and, and that's to be expected but some of these you know executables that are written in more high level languages um you can decompile so i just went through here and and made a little list just, I mean, this is just short. So ILSpy and .peak for .NET and C-sharp. And yep. then for Java, obviously, um, you know, you've got JD GUI for the jars. That's that's uh, jars and, and um, uh, you know, APK files if you're dealing with Android. Um, and then sometimes, apparently, if they're in executable format, you can use the software called JSmooth. I have not used that. It just popped up in my research before the episode. Um to convert that EXE back to a jar, and then use JD GUI to get it from jar to actual Java source code. So that seems like a pretty cool path. Have you have you tried that at all, Joel?
1: I have not heard of JSmooth. Although I will say that um, instead of JD GUI, I would probably just use Jadx GUI. Yeah, for yeah. anything Java, because um, like I mean, there are a couple other like we talked about this during the the mobile episode, but um, yeah, which maybe not. Has come out, not come out yet, but um, yeah. yeah, there are a couple. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, stay tuned. You know, uh, but there are yeah, there are a couple other um, uh, tools out there that are like more intense decompilers for like mm-hmm. more obfuscated code. Um, but Jadex is like so good all the time. Nice. Okay. Yeah, Jadex.
0: The kind of I forgot JDGUI was actually like a like a competitor to that. So Jad because they <laughs> yeah. they have the same like the name is very similar. It's so. so similar. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, JADX GUI or JAD, JADX in general, you know, if you just want to do it from the command line works well. And then the other one that I was going to mention, and um, Irby Sam and I kind of uh, mentioned this in our DEF CON talk that we did last year, but, um, you know, you can do this with Python too. And in our case, it was a it was a um, Linux.so file. Um, and essentially what Sam did was use Py, Insta, extractor. I'll link it in the in the description, but you know, just know it exists. Convert the exe or the .so file to a .pyc file, and then you can use uncompile from there. uh, That's uncompile with a y where the i should be um, to convert it back to py and get the source code. And that really, yeah, that was really helpful um, when we were. reverse engineering the software that we did the talk on at Defcon. So that's uh yeah. that's definitely one to be on the lookout for as well.
1: Yeah, uncompile is one that I use. Like that's like I I mean honestly I don't even know of any other decent yeah. Python uh, bytecode decompilers. So yeah, yeah, anything like PyC. If you have PyC uncompile, I think it's specifically uncompile six or something. But yeah, I think it depends I, I, on the I, version you're using. But yeah, yeah, there's like a weird like distinction. I think it's like Python two versus Python three or something. Yeah, um, exactly. But, but yeah, yeah, PyC uncompile, and then yeah. and then so the,
0: I'm I'm actually curious to hear your approach to this, Joel. But the way that I've done, you know, determined what software was used to compile the binary in the past was just essentially i either run strings or object dump on it and then just kind of grep through the output of that and like search okay is it python is it net is it c sharp you know that sort of thing and kind of see what pops up yeah
1: i would probably pretty much do the same thing one thing i will say is like generally speaking if you're like exploring an executable ghidra or IDA Pro or whatever mm-hmm. radare like whatever you want to use um like as a just a general decompiler that's also a really great place to start because that'll show you stuff like your function exports your strings uh any headers on the file like that'll probably pretty easily show you whether or not it was compiled with like gcc or if it's like a python binary or because you'll see the bindings um and the imports and stuff
0: yeah, dude, that makes that that sort of thing makes reverse engineering stuff so much easier because if you really got to just actually pop it open in Ghidra and like just r- look at that like crappy C code and assembly stuff like I don't know, man. I that's kind of goals for me within the next like 5 years. I'd like to be able to be a little bit more comfortable with that sort of thing, but as a web guy, when I start seeing even dude, I'm I'm, you know, I'm going to I'm going to th- throw myself out there right now. Even C code like like i realize it's pretty readable and stuff like that but i'm definitely a little bit fuzzy on some of these lower level concepts and so you know i i definitely i definitely need to brush up on those things before i can effectively even read c code
1: yeah, I don't blame you at all, dude. I like even like C is just like a, one of those languages where uh, you see it all the time where like people, there's like bugs just like by accident because like you just like didn't think far enough ahead, I guess. Like, yeah, you know, you'd have yeah. like so many layers. And yeah, you know, th- nowadays there's just like more modern languages that take care of that stuff for you. Yeah. Uh, but
0: as we know, the more modern languages have decompilers sometimes. So it's true. That's uh, it's, true. There's a little bit <laughs> yeah, of a change in the Exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's, that was a cool takeaway for me for this event. And, uh, you know, since we're on Colin, Justin out on his crap right now, uh, I do have another funny story. There was a, uh, there was a report that I submitted to this event. You know, these are like pretty, I mean, you know how it is, Joel, these are like, you know, these events are pretty high signal events, right? Like, you know, yeah. y- you, you're submitting pretty much only bugs that are valid. And so I found this endpoint and there's this code that I need that, you know, it's very important for me to brute force for my attack vector. And it's got some complexity to it so i write out the the you know proof for how you know it would be brute forced over time and how it's feasible and how it would result in you know something bad happening without giving too many details away and uh and so i submit the report and i'm like hmm this is gonna be a good one you know i could probably get like a higher crit for this and then the hacker one triager comes back dude and he's like justin you miscounted the number of letters <laughs> In the thing that you're brute forcing, <laughs> and it's like exponentially more difficult because you missed one character. Oh uh, no. And then he drops this one liner at the end, man, that's just like wrecked me. That's like, guess that's not really feasible, period. And then, best regards, hacker mode triage. <laughs> dude, holy. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he I mean, just oh, uh,
1: unleashed. That you know that triager's t- been through some shit. <laughs>
0: <I> know, <laughs> like- dude, he's like really done with our shit. And uh, I posted that quote on the, you know, Slack channel for the event, and everyone else just went wild. Man, they're like, "Yeah, this dude really drops some fire sometimes." So, shout out to this specific triager, you know who you are, for keeping dude. us on our toes. That's
1: so funny, holy yeah. cow! Yeah, the triagers really have some spice sometimes. You know, they, they they're do like. <laughs>
0: I mean, I totally understand in a normal context because, like, they're dealing with so many bugs that are just, like, absolute garbage. Like, I mean, you know, you've been on the program side before. I have not been on the program side before. But what I've heard is it's, like, actually, like, 80% of bugs are garbage.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say, like, even... And the thing is, even if you set stuff like signal limits and, like, um, you know, whatever, like there are ways around that so like for example the yeah. signal limit right uh, new accounts are exempt just from create signal, account, yeah. Uh, yeah they're exempt from signal limits you see it all the time where people will literally have like account one account two and they'll just like submit to get around the, the you thing. gotta it's, be like, kidding me dude it's, like they're just so submitting like up. really bad like spam reports and stuff and yeah you see it all the time um on, like one side it's like it's frustrating because like you feel like how did we get here like it's like the bug running community like how did we end up here where like people are just like either like yeah. submitting like things that aren't even bugs submitting like automated results from scanners that they aren't validating like how to like you know i feel like we need to like step back and like figure out how to bring the education side like back up to like be in line with, yeah like, man
0: i i'd really like to i'd really like to you know, try to solve that problem. And hopefully this podcast will help with some of that. But, um, you know, it's definitely a big problem. And at the end of the day, you can't really enforce something like that because if you've got, you know, somebody who really does know what they're doing but hasn't been on the platform, you can't like make them go through hours of tutorials before they submit yep. a baller bug.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, it's oh. just going to stop people from... Submitting. They'll just I mean, like, oh, yeah, I mean, on.
0: look at the raccoon, right? Space raccoon, like, su- he, he came out of nowhere and then just started submitting, like, RCEs to Starbucks <laughs> right. and stuff like that. And I remember him, you know, I remember before he was even on the screen, he's one of the, you know, hackers I respect the most, to be perfectly honest, having, you know, having been on a team with him and and shared a lot of vulnerability details with him. He's an absolutely phenomenal hacker. And, um, you know, I remember when he came on the scene, we were just like, who is this space raccoon guy? and then you know he just kind of came out spitting fire so there are some people that just have it you know from the very beginning and others it takes a little bit longer to develop i think
1: yeah honestly like the thing i respect most is his like energy and like work ethic. I don't even know how he manages to pull it off. Like he's just like a machine. He just does not stop. Like I (laughs) I like definitely could not keep up at that pace for that amount of time.
0: He's he's really he really works hard and you know he does all this with his his you know full-time job too. So it's crazy. I'm over here doing bug bounty full time and then like you know the dupe window closed and I messaged him I was like hey man how's it going and and, you know he has like quite a few reports. I, I you know to be fair I had more reports but then I, I message him and i'd like say hey man you know you find anything cool and he's like yeah look at these bugs that i found and i'm like what wow. and then he Dang. like drops some serious fire on me and now you know i left that conversation feeling like you know i went into that conversation feeling like all right man you know i'm, I'm kind of crushing this one you know and then i leave <laughs> that conversation like i am absolute garbage you know like and, and to be honest that doesn't happen very often to me anymore because yeah like, you know I don't know. I've I've been doing this for a while now. I've been doing live hacking events for like 5 years. So, it's uh it's but, you know, that those feelings still crop up for sure and they have to be acknowledged for you to move along from them. So,
1: yeah, that imposter syndrome like does not go away ever. I remember yeah. like I felt that from like my very first event and like I still feel like all the time where like I'll see people like post like some like crazy research and I'll be like, "Dang, mm-hmm. I should have like" looked yeah. at that or like the FOMO is it's like, the, it's the worst when yeah. you like thought
0: about looking into something too and you're like oh yeah you know that would be really cool and then you just didn't do it and then yeah, someone you put it on your list research, like, <laughs> like oh no so.
1: yeah do you have one of those lists I have a list that's have, like, like things yeah. to hack and I just yeah. like I'll be like sitting in the car and I'll be like huh, I should hack that. And I'll just like write it on the list. Researchideas.txt. Yeah, and then I never check the list. I just go there to put stuff in it. I never actually like read it. I'm just like-
0: For for that magical time in your life when you're like, huh, I have so much spare time. I need something to research. And you like structuredly go to your list and like pull out an item, you know, like, no. Yeah, uh, finally, I have all
1: this extra free time with nothing to do. Yeah,
0: no. All right, okay. So speaking of people that- cause you to have some imposter syndrome feelings i wanted to shout out a blog post from franz rosen um in 2018 <laughs> man i know
1: right seriously that guy is such a monster um yeah he'll make she, a blog post and be like yeah so for the last five years i've been exploiting every company absolutely that uses wrecking this yeah nginx or some like, shit. And you'll be like, <laughs> <"What?">
0: <laughs> yeah he's kind of crazy man and and this this um this blog post that I'll link in the description as well. I'll go ahead and actually put it in my notes right now. Um, it's uh, it's about S3 bucket authorization paths and stuff like that. Um, and I wrote this article in 2018. And I've known about this exploitation vector since 2018. i read his, his you know, article and stuff like that. And I've been looking for it on and off. I found some good stuff. But, you know, I don't know, man. I just feel like Franz is like five years ahead of the industry in general, you know? And so I just, I love that I'm coming back to this in 2023 and being like, wow, this is a quality piece of research that is still largely applicable to today. Um, And essentially what it's talking about is how, you know, applications will store information and data in their, you know, an S3 bucket. And then it'll, they'll generate dynamic URLs uh, with, or signed URLs for accessing that data in the S3 bucket based off of user input sometimes. And there's some really, really nasty vulns that pop up um, mm. when, you, when you go down this path. So definitely be on the lookout for anytime you're seeing an application handing off data via signed URLs to uh, S3, you know, fuzz that endpoint very thoroughly, play around with all the logic, play around with all the parameters because there's a lot of cool stuff that can be found there.
1: Yeah, because especially from an engineering perspective, a lot of people, that's like, the number one, like, absolutely, you know, use signed URLs, so people can't scrape your stuff and, yeah. you know, make your buckets private and set your permissions tightly. And if you can get around that, well, <laughs> yeah, no bueno. I love, I love how,
0: um, totally, I mean, going down a different path here, but I love how Amazon made it so hard now to make your bucket public. Have you noticed that you've got to <laughs> go in there and like literally change like it's like eight tick boxes before you can make a bucket public and it it still happens and i'm just like oh my gosh
1: it's super interesting to see how they've shifted from like i feel i feel like i don't even this is kind of like just just pulling a number out of my head but like five ten years ago like everything aws was like developer focus like make it easy for the developer make it easy to like dev fast quickly quick and easy spin up an s3 bucket you put stuff in there you can get Mm -hmm. stuff out of it like easy no problem but that's because like buckets were public like you know and so like then once security research and especially like all the aws like so many people started using aws so many aws like bugs started happening just due to like defaults right like oh my bucket was open by default or i thought i needed to like leave it like this so i could access data on it Mm -hmm. or whatever and then they started making changes so now there's didn't they remove um didn't they like make route 53 takeovers impossible or something yeah that
0: ruined my day dude like i i don't know i don't know if i ever told you this but like when i was living in japan essentially i was paying for that whole lifestyle over there like you know paying for my rent and my food i mean when i say paying for a lifestyle it makes it sound like it was crazy it wasn't i was just living your income yeah yeah but it was my it literally my whole income was automated based off of route 53 takeovers and then one day you know and it was me and and sean uh from acid note and like a couple other people that would just kind of like you know every week you know we kind of have to update our code to like outscale the other person And then it would last for like a week and then you'd go back and you'd realize you're not getting them anymore and you have to like scale up again. So it'd go back and forth and back and forth. But even then it was enough to live off of. And then one day, you know, one fateful day, poof, it's gone. It's gone. They're just like
1: one blog post. It just shatters right. your entire reality. I know. Like, by the, by the way, we've disabled. I'm like, what? Yeah, like, starting <laughs> next month. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Geez, Don't do that.
0: Come on. So that yeah. was, that was a sad day for me, but you know. I'm glad Amazon finally, you know, took responsibility for that because there was a lot of a lot of bugs that were happening because of that. And uh, subdomain takeovers can be extremely impactful. So definitely glad to see they they went that way, that route and cleaned it up.
1: Yeah, it's one of those times where you're like, as like a security person, I'm like, really like, I'm glad that they're doing this by default. But as like a bug bounty hunter, like, yeah, (laughs) I am not. There's always that (laughs) dynamic. Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, Let's see here. Uh, Yeah, okay. So here's another interesting thing, which I totally missed in my um, enumeration of the scope was, um, it's a great idea if you've got a uh, Windows native app that you're looking at to go in and enumerate the Windows URI handlers, right? So um, just like we talked about on the mobile episode that we haven't released yet, which you all can be looking forward to, you know, schemes and like URI handlers are a big part of auditing mobile. <clears throat> um, and so like that's, uh, that was definitely on my radar for mobile devices, but I totally did not even think about going that way in windows. Um, and so I I'll put a link down in the description to a, uh, power script that I found that enumerates all of the windows URI handlers in windows, which I think would be really helpful for enumerating scope.
1: Yeah, dude, this is, this is really cool. Um, I knew that there was like a concept like this, cause I think I've seen, like snippets of this in other places either mm-hmm. than like chrome will be like are you sure you want to open this url or what i can't remember exactly, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but like i've i'm i just ran this and i was looking through them and uh yeah there's definitely a lot more here than um than i thought uh, there's a decent amount like of windows native a, ones too yeah it feels like there's probably like a really good attack surface here if you can figure out sort of the right route to trigger it if you know what I mean like because Chrome will like warn you and stuff if Mm you try mm -hmm. to open another application from like the browser but um if you could do it through not Chrome mm.
0: yeah I think that I think that that would be a good way to do it and I I think actually if you harvest if you get a click and like I think sometimes if you try to like redirect to this URL then it'll warn you but sometimes I think if you click on it I think it doesn't warn you Um, and it just opens up the app. I don't know if I bypassed that Mm. or if I like had clicked it before and it remembered it or something like that when I did this the other day, but I opened up a friend's POC and it was like, boom. And I was like, what the heck? Wild. Yeah. So that's weird. But yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool script that, that, you know, I linked in the description there that it kind of goes through the, um, Registry keys and pulls out anything that mentions URL protocol, which is the registry sort of indicator for these sort of uh, these sort of uh, UR or URI handlers. So definitely something to peep if you're looking at Windows apps.
1: Yeah, this is really crazy. I'm, I'm uh, all these programs are st- starting on my computer now that I'm messing with these. <laughs> Joel's over <laughs> I mean, there like just like running just stuff in my Spotify. browser. <laughs> um, Accidentally just pop Spotify while we're in this. <laughs> yeah right.
0: Um, yeah. All right. Well, the the last the last two little items that I had was one of the things that um, I came upon that was helpful um, in this event was there are sometimes specific ways to even if you get an error message on a like an idol or something like that, you can sometimes that error message will be overly telling. So definitely pay attention to your error messages and what information you can extract from that, either by Boolean logic or, you know, what kind of state it has to be in for a specific error to to show. That can be very telling. And sometimes it even leaks like IDs or something, you know, important like that, which can be used in other attack vectors. So definitely, definitely pay attention to that. That can definitely be helpful.
1: Yeah. You know where else I've, I've seen this pretty frequently is GraphQL. Um, mm. I, I see this in GraphQL all the time where if you are trying to brute force a GraphQL API, and I know a lot of times you have schema, but say you don't have schema, you can't introspect, um, and you're trying to brute force something in a query. Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll often say like, that's not a valid input for this must be one of, and it gives you a list. Dude, I love
0: that. I love it when it does that. Or even when you're like, um, trying to enumerate, uh, fields on a specific thing, it'll be like, no you know, test was not a valid thing. Did you mean text? You know, yeah, and, yeah, and if yeah. you can, so I, I'm really interested if there's a script out there, we should look it up and see if there's a script out there that will like c- compute the most, um, you know, statistically efficient path to brute force, uh, all these different characters, where Apollo or whatever it is that does this will correct you to the largest amount of possible words right there's got to be some path that's like the most efficient route to brute force in that and i imagine it reduces the complexity substantially
1: mm, yeah uh, yeah and <laughs> joel's I feel looking like, it up right no, now we got distracted staring off into the distance de- deep in the i was just i was looking at <laughs> to see if i could find the <laughs> anyways <laughs>
0: No, you're good, man. Yeah, did but, you um, find anything? I mean, like, is there anything well, out there on it?
1: Yeah, we're yeah, yeah, we're we're finding things. So. Okay, all
0: right. <laughs> we'll we'll peep we'll that after. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, one thing I was thinking about is um, uh, another like sometimes you'll see different error messages for like case. So like, say you have something that's valid but the wrong like it's uppercase or lowercase. Mm. I've also seen it give different um errors. So it'll be like instead of being like that's not a valid input, it'll throw an error. It, like a backend error or something. I'll throw like a 500 oh, instead of like huh, a, I've never seen an invalid input. And then you can like shift around your input to try changing the case or something and then it'll go through. Dang, dude. I wonder how many bugs I've
0: missed because I like, you know, auto capitalized something or like didn't capitalize something. That's because I, I do run into those bugs sometimes on GraphQL where it's like you get this 500 back and you're like, man, this query is like perfectly formed. And clearly this is a, you know, an, an actual yeah. schema element and yeah maybe it's just capitalization
1: yeah yeah exactly it's um it's one of those things where like having the right word list is like the key like i feel yeah. like so many times i'm like s- scanning something and i'm like uh what if it's not on my word list <laughs> what if i'm just it's just the one word that, that's yeah, not in my dirt search <laughs> that anxiety
0: yeah the, the pills there Dude, okay, actually, I just remembered something that I wanted to call out in the beginning of this episode. So, for those of you still listening, thank you for still listening. And also, you know, maybe tweet about this or something to help me out because I uh, forgot to mention this in the beginning. Um, Kaido just released their public beta. They went from private beta to public beta. And for those of you that don't know what Kaido is, Kaido is a uh, Burp Suite alternative, Uh, it's a proxying software for HTTP, um, and it's written in Rust. The GUI is really pretty, really usable. Um, the team is hella responsive to your uh, feature requests and really interested in making it the best product they can. And what I love the most about it is it supports a distributed architecture. So you can, you know, put Kaido on a server, and then from there you can connect to it from your like crappy little laptop that's got like eight gigs of RAM or something like that, and you can hack on it just like you would normally and uh so gone are the days of like 64 gigabytes of ram required to do any sort of hacking on through burp suite because uh kaido's got you covered in that scenario so definitely definitely check them out and get in on that beta as early as you can
1: yeah yeah it's um i like i think we actually talked about this maybe in the unreleased episode but um Joel yeah. come on what hey, are you, gotta, you saying Hey we got to tease him you know <laughs> Okay keep, all keep, right keep him, keep him wanting you know keep, never right, let him know right, your right, next fair, move fair um but yeah no I, it, it we, we talked about that like I mean, my burp renewal has been in my inbox for a couple of weeks now. And yeah. um, I spe- this is just, like, even more better timing, like, in my opinion. Because I was already using it in the private beta. And now that it's in the public beta, you got more hands. You know, they're going to be fixing and improving. And, um, yeah, it's, re- it's really, really exciting to see, like, a new tool come on the market like this that's just, like you know, buy hackers for hackers, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure, dude. The guy that writes Kaido, I mean, there's a couple of guys behind it, but the, one of the main guys, Ian is like one of my go-to people for like, Hey, I've got some super weird problem that I can't figure out that I know should be technically possible. Like, please help me. Oh, master of computers, you know? <laughs> and so, um, definitely knows what he's doing and is a hacker himself, a very successful hacker. So um, yeah, he's, he's got a really big
1: teachers. RE background too, right?
0: Yeah, he does. Yeah, no. from CTF stuff. So I'm sure he, he's you know definitely building a great product, and I've really enjoyed using it so far. So
1: yeah, yeah, it's been awesome. So go check out Kaido. It's in public beta. Um, I know they're on Twitter. What is Kaido.io?
0: I think is the website.
1: Kaido. Yeah. C-A-I-D-O. Yeah. Kaido. Yeah. C a i d o. Kaido. Yep. Oh, so. they just
0: put a new website. They like did their website up a little bit prettier oh, too. Man, it looks this so is- good. Sexy, van. I love that. So good.
1: I will say I did manage to crash it by accident yesterday. So, oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I posted it and literally within like a minute, like Ian was like,
0: Dude, oh. Ian is on it. I, I had, <laughs> yeah. you know, okay. Without, without, you know, throwing it under the bus too much here. I also had a little bit of a problem and it was actually mostly my problem with my certificate configuration or whatever. But um, I was having a problem with that. Message Ian and literally in like 30 seconds, he gets back and he's like, oh, this is what you need to do. And I was like oh man that's dang, awesome dude, you rock oh no no you know what it was dude it my my um my computer's clock was way out of out of check for some reason i don't know why and it was like causing some crypto problems with their security stuff so it was invalidating my session or something so
1: man, these uh, are the types of things that as a dev you're like they're just like <laughs> wear you down you know because it's like some random you know i have the i'll tell you i'll say cuz it's in public beta now yeah. but my the thing i found yesterday it's not even like finding i don't know i right. was just like i was testing it out and i clicked on like the intercept tab mm-hmm. and i was like i right clicked on something and i i started pressing escape to like try and back out of the like the menu or whatever yeah. and it just like crashed <laughs> oh and so no I, and so i like i like reopened it and i kept like testing it to try and figure out like what the root cause was yeah. and it turns out if you just like open the intercept tab and like mash escape like a bunch of times like it'll just eventually it'll crash and it's not even like an issue in like kaido yeah. it's like a rust like un- it's like one of the libraries that they use and they're like okay we're gonna have to file a ticket like <laughs> oh my gosh dude i that that it, that's why i'm so glad i'm not a dev you know? well, well and he was just like when man you know you're like the hackers are testing your product when like they crash it by mashing escape like <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man the the uh yeah man i definitely don't envy ian's job there like it's a lot of work getting all those things and but at the end of the day, the product that they're making is really stellar, I think. So definitely check it out, everybody. I've, I've already found lots of bugs using Kaido over yeah. Suite, So definitely. Yeah, you got me possible. turned
1: on to um, on My First Million, the, the podcast. Ah, yeah. And, uh, the, there was a, I was listening to an episode yesterday and they, they had this great quote from, I think it's, his name is Reed Hoffman. Um, and he basically said that if, if your first version of your product isn't embarrassing, then you launch too late. And like, Dude. I think that's like a great way to like look at stuff. Where like, Kaido, yeah, I mean, I'm sure like in five years, like he might look back and be like, "Dang, all those stupid bugs," but like, that's good. That's like how it should be. Like, you know, that means that you're like pushing forward and like you know striving to like achieve and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, man. Like yeah, symbol.
0: I, I definitely, I encouraged him when we were talking before he even started the project. I was like, "Dude, you gotta launch this thing as soon as possible." And then just like ruthlessly prioritize the features that users need to get their basic workflow done. And then once you're done with that, you'll start seeing market adoption, you'll get cash flow, and then, you know, you won't be... You know, living off your your beans and rice, you know, <laughs> as you're trying to build this crazy product. So I think he's done a really good job with that, and I'm super excited to see where it goes over the next couple of years. So.
1: Yeah, we should see if we can try and have him on here and have oh, yeah. a little chat. That would be that would be great. Definitely,
0: definitely, we will. Actually, now is not a bad time for it because he just launched to public beta. So maybe we'll get on that within the next couple of weeks.
1: True. Yeah. Stay tuned. We will. We'll see if we can uh, talk with let, Ian from from Kido.
0: Yeah. All right, dude. Last last one I had on my list was. Um, And actually talked about this a little bit in the past, but I I, I want to reemphasize it because it's really like everywhere and it's pivotal that you all understand this technique, this concept of same site cookies and uh, same site lacks default um, for cookies and how to get around it. And so I just ran into a situation again where I found a really impactful bug that I was able to execute because there was a path where you can CSRF log in and log out and uh, still keep the victim in their account, and that resulted in the session cookie getting reset. Um, and what that does then is it resets the timer on the same site post plus lax, or maybe it's lax plus post. I think it's lax plus post. Um, sort of um, exception to the rule that there is for uh, same site cookies and that sort of cat thing.
1: Just my mouse off my desk. Oh, Sorry. this keep cat
0: man—he's <laughs> such a baller. Um, yeah, and and if you reset the timer on that cookie, you've got two minutes. You can control, you know, that you've got, you know the start of that timer for two minutes to be able to do top level post requests, um, which will really open up a lot of CSRF ter- attack surface. Um, so I think until the browsers remove that lax plus post, Joel is literally like, <laughs> like benching this cat right Pick now. It up and move it over. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's really. A, it's important for you to understand that because there's a lot of uh, CSRFs that I think are going unaddressed right now because people are like, oh, well, the cookies aren't being sent. Um, but until the browsers remediate that lax plus post sort of temporary solution that they've got in place, um, I think there are a lot of CSRFs there that go unfound.
1: Yeah. And I think that you'll see that, um, especially with like newer web technologies, there'll be ways around it. Like eventually yeah. we'll find some like creative way to, to CSRF without it. But until yeah
0: then. i'm trying to find um same site lack blog post that somebody did in the community a friend of mine sent it to me the other day and it's so good and yeah i'll go ahead and link it down in the comments but i'm pretty sure it's by Ju jew, jew bobs or whatever however you pronounce his name um yeah it is j-u-b-o-b-s mm-hmm. um he did a great Write up on the great same site confusion, which I'll link down in the in the description. Great read for anybody looking to understand exactly how this new browser restriction affects CSRF, which is a bug that was traditionally everywhere and is still everywhere if you know how to get around the restrictions.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great tip. I'm uh, I'm gonna give a read of this. I've never seen this. Oh, nice, dude. It's a good good blog.
0: All right, awesome. Well, that's all I've got today. You got anything, Joel? On the on the pending queue?
1: I don't think so, dude. I'm uh, I'm gonna probably get back to some some hacking and uh, try and find a couple last bugs before this uh, this deadline. Sweet, Across sounds good. Line.
0: I've got a flight in two and a half hours, so I'm gonna oh. go finish packing my bag and head to the airport.
1: Awesome, dude. Well, have a safe flight and uh, enjoy the trip. I'm kind of sad that I can't be there, but yeah, I'll, uh, you, I will, I'll be looking at all the photos and uh, be very jealous
0: all right sounds good peace everybody awesome. peace Whew, that was a good episode just makes you feel like uh leaving a review on your podcast app doesn't it <laughs> in all seriousness though uh please drop a review and also uh give us a follow on twitter at CTB podcast all right that's a wrap
1: we'll see you guys next time.